You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. So Pentecost. So uh, last year we... We did a little study on Pentecost, some of you might remember, and what exactly Pentecost means. So I think it's worth just a little bit of a brush-up review. So let's take a peek. Pente. Pente equals 50. Pentecost equals 50 days. So if you remember, Pentecost is not just a, a New Testament celebration. The Jewish people celebrated Pentecost, not the Pentecost that we are thinking of, for centuries. Like 1,500 years before the Spirit was sent to the disciples, there was already Pentecost. We can see that in the book of Leviticus, Leviticus 23, 16. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwelling places two loaves of bread to be waved, made of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. So thousands of Jews descended upon Jerusalem each year, 50 days after Passover. So this was a huge festival, and it was a festival commanded by God, like I said, almost 1,500 years before the new day of Pentecost, the post-Easter Pentecost that you and I are familiar with, the one we're celebrating today, the one that we read about in Acts 2 this morning. It was a celebration of the first harvest of the year, but it was also a celebration to remember the deliverance of the Israelites out of Egypt. So it had twofold purpose. But the new day of Pentecost is a different kind of deliverance. It's a deliverance of a promise, a promise that Jesus made the day that he ascended to be with the Father. Let's take a look at that promise in John 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. This helper is the Holy Spirit. Luke records the same promise a bit differently in Acts 1, 4-5, and, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. And this is Jesus, okay? Jesus ordering it, don't go anyplace. You're not ready yet. So he said, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, John baptized with water, but you would be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And not many days from now turned out to be 10 days. 10 days after Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit comes. Just as Jesus promised. So the time now has come. And it is 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven. 
The promise of sending a helper is finally being realized. What a day that was. What an event that was. Here's how Luke described it. We read this already, but let's take a look again. This is how Luke described that day in chapter 2 of Acts. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, it makes sense that they were all together in one place for probably two reasons. One would be, they're a little bit leery yet, okay? Christians kind of are this, not kind of, they are this new thing. They are the way, okay? And they're not necessarily safe, but they would also be together to celebrate Pentecost like the rest of the Jews that have descended on Jerusalem. So they're all together in this room, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Doesn't say it was a wind, but it sounded like wind. Ever been in any place where you heard wind, but you couldn't really know where it was coming from? They didn't even feel the wind, but they heard the wind. This is the Holy Spirit coming. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, this, this sound. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What an event. But this is more than just an event. This is a game changer. Yes, God's people, that's you and that's me, we benefit, we get the benefit of having the Holy Spirit, not on us, but in us. Do you remember during the Forgiving Challenge we studied sanctification? Here's the definition again in case it might be helpful. Sanctification. The action of making something holy to set apart. And that set apart is what we're really going to zone in on, focus in on this morning. Well, that is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit sets us apart. The Holy Spirit gives us the power we need to live sanctified lives, to live holy lives, lives that are set apart from the rest of the world. It is through Jesus' suffering, his dying, his rising again after the third day that allows us to be set apart. Set apart from the power of sin. But that is far from the end of the story this morning. You see, we have been called to live new lives in Christ through the Spirit. Live new lives? What does that mean exactly? To live new lives in Christ? Some of the first examples of what this looks like come from the disciples themselves. When we considered pre-Pentecost disciples and compare them to post-Pentecost disciples, well, there are stark differences. Let's take a look at those. 
So here we have pre-Pentecost disciples. They questioned Jesus all the time. They argued over their influence and their own personal power. They betrayed and even abandoned Jesus. And then they got the Holy Spirit. Remember? The game changer. Post-Pentecost disciples boldly proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Peter got right after it, didn't he? He received the Holy Spirit. He explained to everybody, we're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. We got the Holy Spirit. And he preached a sermon right on the spot. Fisherman Peter. These post-Pentecost disciples, they're the ones who built the church. That's why we're sitting here. And these post-Pentecost disciples, except for John, they all died preaching the gospel. They laid down their lives for the Lord. Now those are some pretty stark differences, aren't they? What a contrast. They were, set at, they were certainly, the disciples I'm talking about, they were set apart, weren't they? They were set apart. They answered the bell when it came to their calling to live new lives. To live new lives in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. So what about you? Today is a perfect day for you to consider how the Spirit, how the Spirit is working in your life. So... How is the Spirit working in your life? When I think of the Holy Spirit working in believers' hearts and minds, I think of my dear friend Gary Teese from Mission Central in Mapleton, Iowa. If you are a Trinity graduate or if you are a current Trinity student, you will know Gary as Missionary Gary. Right, guys? Missionary Gary. He comes, he comes every year to tell the kiddos about Jesus in a very special, unique way. Now, if you have been fortunate enough, does anyone know Gary? Has anyone seen Gary besides me and kiddos? There's Lauren, okay? Okay, so some of us know who Gary Teese is, okay? If you've been fortunate enough to visit Mission Central, Lauren, have you been to Mission Central? You gotta go there. You can't even explain it, can you? So it's such an amazing, unique place. If you've ever been there, it won't take you long for Gary to say something to you as a, as a Christian, as a believer. Does anyone remember what he says? Do you remember, Lauren? You are not normal. We got it. You are not normal. That's the statement of the day. After all, believers are, remember, set apart. We're not to be normal. Believers are sanctified. Believers are kept holy by the power of the same Spirit that descended upon the disciples. That same Spirit is in your heart through the waters and the word of baptism. That's powerful. 
we, as the priesthood of all believers, are not supposed to be normal. God made a covenant with his people and, they should, and that, that they would be set apart. And we see that in Deuteronomy chapter 14. This is centuries before the Holy Spirit came. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So you might be asking yourself, what does that have to do with me? I'm not an Israelite. I'm not part of that chosen people. But it has everything to do with you. Because you are chosen. You are part of God's family. You are a child of God. You are a treasured possession. Peter makes this very clear to the mostly Gentile crowd he was preaching to at the beginning of 1 Peter. Let's take a look at this morning and see what Peter had to say on this topic. Peter said, and he's talking to the Gentiles, he's talking to you and me, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And I think we could put treasured in there, couldn't we? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Yes, now you are God's people. Why? Because of the work of the Holy Spirit. It is through the Holy Spirit that Christ lives in us. It is because of the Holy Spirit that you are not normal. Although it is true that we don't have the free will to choose salvation, we do have the free will to make godly decisions or ungodly decisions. Our words and our actions and our deeds, they reflect on our faith lives, don't they? Missionary Gary gets it. You can't be normal and be a Christian. Did you hear that? You can't be normal and be a Christian. If Christ truly is in your heart, the choices you make will be different than what the world chooses. Now, don't get me wrong, we won't be perfect. But with the help of the Helper, the Holy Spirit, who we are celebrating today, you do move in the direction of holiness, not sinfulness. You move in the direction of holiness, not sinfulness. That's what we receive from the Holy Spirit. He gives you the power and the strength to be sanctified, to be made holy a little more each and every day. 
until the last day when Jesus returns and the Spirit perfects your sanctification process and you will be made totally holy. So how do we get plugged into this power? How do we get plugged into this power source of the Holy Spirit so that we are not normal? That our lives are about becoming sanctified, being made holy. It's not very complicated. The Holy Spirit, our helper, works through one thing and one thing only. The Word. The Holy Spirit works through the Word. In other words, He works through Jesus as Jesus is the Word. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So this morning, you're hearing the Word, aren't you? The Spirit is working on your hearts this very moment. You heard the Scriptures read to you this morning. We had two Scripture readings this morning. The Spirit works through the Word. If you were in 8 or 6 o'clock last night, we still use the liturgy. The liturgy is just packed with God's Word. And part of our liturgy for this service uses God's Word. Some of the songs that we sang this morning, God's Word. And you're listening to the Word right now being preached to you. So you are being blessed by the Word as the Holy Spirit works faith in your hearts sitting here this morning as the Holy Spirit makes you holy. Is that a big deal? You bet it is. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just dwell in this sanctuary. The Holy Spirit dwells in your hearts and your minds. He goes with you wherever you go. Which reminds me of the theme verse for the past school year. We preached and taught about it a little bit in August. You might remember it, Joshua 1.9. It was the theme verse for the past school year. It's a great reminder that God is with us wherever we go. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Yes, God is with you wherever you go. In his gospel, Luke records his personal version of what Jesus said before ascending into heaven. The power of the Holy Spirit is again an important theme for Luke here, an important reminder that God is with us wherever we go as we live lives that are not normal, that are sanctified and made holy by the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 49. This is what Jesus said to the apostles moments before he ascended to heaven. And behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. Luke's talking about the Holy Spirit. 
God, the promise keeper, did not disappoint. Jesus sent his spirit as advertised, clothed with power from on high through the waters of holy baptism when we received the Holy Spirit into our hearts. So as we tap into that power source, we are also thankful. We're extremely thankful that God, the promise keeper, well, he has one more big whopper of a promise left. And it's an exciting one. It's the best one. Yes, my friends, there is one more promise. The Father will send risen, ascended, glorified Jesus, his Son, back again on the last day. And he will not only judge the living and the dead, he will make all things new. He will create a new heaven and a new earth. But until that time, we give thanks that he sent his helper, his spirit, to make us holy, to set us apart so that we are not normal. Thanks be to God. Amen.